welcome to the show. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. How's it going? It's Chandler. I'm here again. Yay. Yay. Uh, yeah, today we're going to be reviewing the AEW Collision from November 4th, 2023 in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, don't know much about Wichita, Kansas, but uh, they were there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my overall thoughts of the show. Uh, uh, entertaining. Um, I didn't have a lot of uh, bad things to say about it. Uh, I really liked the intro for this episode. They got back to that cool little uh, intense uh, promo. Uh, we had FTR, then Big Bill and Ricky Starks, Jake the Snake and uh, Lance, Lance Archer. Oh, so good to see Jake back. And uh, Darby Allen. Uh, then we had a really cool uh, moment where we had Swerve and Nana starting their promo, and then AR Fox coming out of nowhere and uh, kicking Swerve right in the face. Uh, and then that cut into the actual intro with uh, Elton John Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Uh, yeah, Chandler, what do you think of that intro? Oh, I thought it was awesome. It was definitely the highlight of the entire show. Just, I was watching the promos and I didn't really think much of it. Like, oh, Fox Attack Swerved. Like, of course, they've got a history. That makes sense. And I thought these were all pre-recorded. And then to have it start with Fox kicking him down the ring as Saturday night's all right for fighting is still playing and the opening pyros going off. I thought that was like such a cool like start to the show. I was like, how have we not done this before? And I'm sure people have done that before. But my God, what a way to hype up the show and get people excited. Because, I mean, especially compared to last week with MJF Omega, this didn't seem like that great of a collision in comparison just beforehand looking at the matches. But this was a way to wake me up and go, all right, it's another episode of Collision. I'm ready for this. What do you think, Chad? Oh, yeah, same thing. Um, there's an old film term in media res, which is when you just kind of start in the middle of the action. Uh Probably one of my favorite ways to just get hooked immediately. Uh, also, just to shut up, always great to see Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, remember when we did the uh, the intro way back when? Uh, he was probably the reason why I got hooked into wrestling when I was a kid. So uh, it's pretty surreal to see him opening a show 30-something years later. Uh, but yeah, for me, good show. Not great, but uh, it really got me hyped to go see it live this week. Yeah, weren't we talking like last week or a couple podcasts ago just saying like where's Lance Archer and you guys were telling me Jake the Snake was with them. So I was, I mean, pretty telling that he's already back. That's pretty cool. And he's already going to be in next week's collision. Yeah, it's kind of cool seeing uh, things happen that we kind of have alluded to already on the podcast. Uh, I kind of feel like that's happened a couple times. We've kind of like uh, <laughs> mentioned a few things and they've uh, come to fruition. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, good to see Jake the Snake. Uh, he sounded like he uh, was breathing pretty well. I know he had some uh, lung issues going on. Uh, yeah, looking good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, we had that really cool intro. 
after the theme song ended, we got Swerve and AR Fox on the ramp. We got AR Fox jumping and diving all over Swerve, uh, putting him in a world of hurt. Later on in the match, we got a really cool spot where, uh, kind of scary too, Swerve uh, flips AR Fox uh, on the back of his legs onto the apron. It looked pretty bad, like pretty painful. Uh, do you uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Chad? Yeah, rumor has it that's the hardest part of the ring too, so that bump had to have sucked. So I you know that one made me perk up. Uh, kind of told you off camera. I was uh, I was a little comfortable going into this. I didn't take a lot of notes, but I actually just uh, uh, in, in all caps was like, "Ow, that sucked." That's <laughs> all I wrote for that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match, Chandler? Oh, I mean, I've said it just about every uh, podcast we've had. I'm a big fan of Swerve so far. I've only seen a couple of his matches, but I think he's an incredible talent. I hope he gets the chance or title next. But this match was pretty fun. This was my second AR Fox match. So seeing him again was a blast. Uh, just a couple spots I had throughout the match that I wrote down. Swerve hit. And I don't like, I had to like go back and re find out what it was. It was a power bomb, power slam. Like he threw him up and then slammed him back down. Like, who is this guy? What is he doing out here? This is insane. And just ah, so much good stuff on this one. It's yeah, so good. It's, oh, so good to see Swerve. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, it's so funny how like most wrestlers have their move sets, and then Swerve is just like, Yes, I'm just gonna do everything. Well, not to like get too far through the match, I'll just say the end, but like he won with a he wasn't called a coup de gras, but that was Finn Bauer's finish. He won with Finn Bauer's finish. I've never seen that before. I don't know if he hits it often, but if we're getting like you know, not transitional moves, but not just our finisher winning every single time or not taking three finishers. I'm a fan of that. I think that's a lot more interesting when people have multiple different moves that can end a match. Kind of a question for both of you uh, who are familiar with WWE. Uh, are there any similarities between AR Fox and Ricochet? Um, maybe Ricochet as he was in NXT. That's really what I was saw most of. I haven't seen him much since they moved him up to the main roster. Um, they're both just incredible athletes and they just do things that make you go like, huh? Like the way Rick, uh, Ricochet, uh, AR Fox does the, uh, just from standing, just jumps over the rope, does a flip and lands on the guy. Like, what i i don't even think i could do that from the all from the bottom rope uh that's that's pretty sick uh but yeah i mean ricochet i don't know there's the one move that's always clipped uh where he does the uh similar thing but he lands on his feet in, uh, and also he's face to face with uh velveteen dream who i don't know if we're really talking about him anymore <laughs> yeah. but uh he ain't around anymore he's yeah he's getting his stuff figured out we hope yeah, but like, yeah, they're both just human highlight reels. Like, I don't know, heel face, it doesn't matter. Just put it on watch and you're you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I uh I'm not the biggest, not the most knowledgeable about Ricochet. I've only seen him a couple times. It seems in recent years they only use him for viral moments and 
Sometimes they are a naturally viral moment. Like at the Royal Rumble earlier this year, him and Logan Paul were on either sides of the ring and they literally jumped and collided middle of the ring. So that was a pretty hype moment. That one naturally went viral, but you can tell in the Money in the Bank match where they were also both in it. They had another time where they tried to do like, and mind you, no one can do this. So I don't blame them for botching it, but they went for a double Spanish fly over the rope onto a couple tables and they kind of botched it. But again, that's really hard to do. So he's not a top player by any means, but they just kind of use him for fun flips and highlight reels every once in a while. Yeah, I was kind of curious on what you two thought, like me knowing very, very little about WWE. Like I was trying to compare him to someone who I thought might have been similar. Uh but yeah, Ricochet came to mind. Uh, but yeah, I'm really loving watching AR Fox, especially in the uh, baby face role. Uh, at one point, we got the Gates of Agony showing up, and they look like they're up to no good. Commentary uh, reminds us that the Young Bucks and Adam Page recently lost their Ring of Honor six-man tag titles um which the gates of agony one... didn't have i know yeah, yeah. i know i should just stop bringing it up but if you're putting the champions on the, the the program can they have the stupid belts like if i was any champion in any of these companies i'd wear that belt everywhere i go if it was a 24 7 title if it was a trios title i'd wear it everywhere so i don't know why they keep having these people come out to the ring without it like doesn't it add to the prestige of these characters to have a little bit of gold around their waist? I'm going to play devil's advocate and go with their logic might be if they're not all three together, they're not going to represent. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it because it's better than what they're telling me, but it's right. yeah. Maybe in Ring uh, of Honor when they're there every single episode, every day. Uh, maybe they wear them. There. Maybe they wear them there. Sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, at one point, we get a beautiful 450 splash from AR Fox to Swerve. Then he goes for a Spanish fly. We get a two count on that one. Uh, and I made a special note for the first time ever. I heard a. Uh, pretty distinct ar fox chant uh he's starting to get over i kind of i feel uh kind of naturally after that little roadblock uh with all in and uh, not being able to go to england uh, but yeah swerve ends up winning the match with a swerve stomp uh beautiful devastating move uh, after the match, we get AR Fox surrounded by Gates of Agony. Uh, FTR show up to help. Ricky Starks and Big Bill come out to uh, even the odds. FTR get beat down. LFI show up, and they make all the bad guys scatter. FTR goes to shake their hands, and they won't do it. Uh little tension before the main event i like the uh build up uh then we got house of black watching from the crowd uh 
uh yeah i think we've got a lot of storytelling going on with this uh storyline uh there's no doubt about it uh, i don't quite know where it's gonna go i like how they have three different factions kind of intermingled are they together are they not who's gonna turn on who um actually four different groups of people uh shit five with uh malachi black and house of black right uh yeah uh, a lot a lot can happen uh what do you think chad oh uh i love it um it gives it a feeling like it's a living breathing world uh a sense of urgency um i always hate it when um person a is in a feud with person b and that's all that's just going on for them like you know their buddy over there is receiving a beat down well i'm kind of involved with my own stuff i'm not going out like no nah, this just feels great it's uh everybody's interacting with everybody else everybody's like teaming up and uh, making factions and because it uh, could potentially give them a leg up uh no it makes it uh me into it like WCW's heyday, NWO, NWO Wolfpack, faction, faction, faction. Uh, there was a reason why they were on top at the time, and that was a big part of it. Um, what's your take, Chandler? Uh, I think it's interesting, too. Last week, I kind of said that all these groups kind of intermingling is your tag division going forward. Like, this is like who we're going to have. You're going to have LFI, FTR going for their rematches, House of Black. Now with the main event, I kind of have a little bit of a different opinion on that because I think they don't really know what they're doing with the tag titles right now, which is fine, I guess. Like at least Ricky Starks and Big Bill have them and it's good to see him on TV. But uh, maybe what they're doing is a sort of FTR House of Black rivalry without the belts. So House of Black can win a couple times because, I mean, when's the last time House of Black won anything? They lost it all in. I don't think they ever challenged for a rematch. So what have they been up to? Be fun to see them around. Yeah, I think um, Malachi just came back from injury and uh, the big dude's got, I mean, he had the cast on his hand for a minute. So I think they've, uh, a lot of them have been cool on their heels for a minute. Okay. And I know Julia Hart just got married. So that's why she was gone. But if now they're all healed, they're all done with everything. They're going to have a nice monster run on Collision. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, no, it's cool. They're sort of set, uh, setting them up as sort of the antagonists of the whole show. Uh, they seem to be just getting in uh, everybody's pots. Uh, pretty, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's um, fast forward six months from now, it's probably going to be a very interesting show with like all the faction warfare going on. Mm-hmm. uh from from your wcw brain there dave uh what are you what's your takes on all of the uh the fun faction nonsense yeah i'm glad you uh glad you asked um getting definite memories of like the four horsemen having to team up with uh staying in luger in war games to take on WCW. Um, I even think I remember like the Dungeon of Doom had to team up with the faction that they like four horsemen to take on the NWO. Like, yeah, like you, you got to do things that you wouldn't normally do to take out an existential threat like that. So um, 
I'm actually kind of feeling that Roosh is more of a threat than Malachi Black at this point after watching the main event, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, uh, so many things can happen. I don't think anyone's going to really like join the House of Black or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Should be really fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that, uh, beginning match, beginning segment, we have a MJF promo from last week. He's uh, talking about basically he's going to prove to Jay White that he's better than him and he knows it. Then we get a Jay White promo from last week. Uh, we get a really creepy uh, chant. Jay pinned MJF. Jay pinned MJF. Uh, the rest of the Bullet Club join in with Juice. Uh, Jay White brags about pinning MJF and says he's going to do it again at full gear. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, don't think that will happen. Uh, uh, I know Chandler, you don't think Jay White has it in him. And uh, I think Chad, you uh, agree too? Oh yeah. No, this is just uh, a program to kind of get, get, keep MJF up there and get a, Jay White in front of people's eyes until we uh, kind of a transition or a palate cleanser. Then I'm I'm thinking MJF's next big feud will probably be something a little more meaty. But uh, no, uh, this feels just kind of like something to do for both of them until they can get on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I'm sure they had more planned if Adam Cole was going to be around and was healthy. But, you know, things happened. He's injured. So it's a little bit different. So they probably had to change some plans. but. Uh, I mean, personally, I don't think any of the contenders that are going after MJF right now are going to win the title from him. Just, I, I don't feel it as weird as that sounds. I think it's got to be someone else. As much as I love Samoa Joe and uh, MJF, or not MJF, Jay White would be somewhat interesting if it was pulled off well, uh, and Wardlow would be fitting for him, but I don't think it's time. I think we're going to get to the first person after all of this shenanigans, and then it's going to be a serious contender for him. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. We're getting Daniel Garcia on Wednesday. Maybe he'll take the title. That's all I have to say. Just dance. <laughs> I, I think it'll be MJF will dance and everyone will pop. And that's going to be the highlight of the match. There may be a kangaroo kick in there somewhere, too. Ooh, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of skipped over that uh, Garcia MJF video package. Uh, yeah, apparently Garcia called out MJF on Rampage. And uh, kind of what I got out of this whole thing was, first of all, like, why does Garcia get to jump the line? And I kind of miss the ranking system that you know little about, right, Chandler? I don't know. I know uh, they had one, and it was wins and losses, and they kept track of them. Uh, I don't know anything about it other than that. 
did they use it for like title shots and set them up like oh if you have like five wins and no losses you got a title shot that's interesting yeah every uh every division had a ranking yeah yeah it was lately originally i think they tried to make it more like a legitimate sports programming so yeah wins and losses mattered and uh yeah if you had the good record then you were the number one contender and you would get the title shot uh, then i guess they uh pretty quickly found out that uh hey guess what uh, storylines and all that there's a reason why the uh, wrestling promotions run the way they do so at first i wasn't very happy about that match i mean i i love daniel garcia um i'm glad they're doing that you know in portland live in front of us but then what won me over was it being billed as uh garcia's gonna dance with the devil so that kind of <laughs> won me over with that uh, being to, called that that's a real fun way to spin that i like that i like it even yeah. more i'm excited <laughs> so yeah i'm actually looking forward to that now so um after that we've got uh lexi nair backstage with kip sabian he brings out uh some tag team called the workhorsemen and calls out mark briscoe for a six-man tag match uh we'll see what happens with that um, after that, we get the Kingdom, Mike Bennett and Mac Taven versus a couple jobbers. Uh, they win the match relatively quickly and with no struggle. R- uh, Roderick Strong uh, ends up getting in the ring and kneeing one of the jobbers, uh, battling through the pain, <laughs> getting back in his wheelchair. Uh, kind of a cool touch. Uh, Chandler, what do you think of uh, uh, Roderick Strong's character work right now? Oh, he's super entertaining. Uh, I carrying on the trend of it's not just wrestlers. He or backstage, he came out and went Dasha, Dasha, which I assume is the ring announcer's name, and he hit that big knee. And like, of course, him getting into the ring and hitting the knee was perfect. And the second he like stopped for half a second, he went ah and like sold his neck. And so his like comical half a second late selling, but it's purposeful. I mean, it's genius. So I I think he's great. Um, uh, he's gonna get a world title shot against MJF at some point, and I think that'll be a really funny match. But I don't think it'll be like the Daniel Garcia match. He's never gonna win. What do you think, Chad? Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I never knew Roddy had this side to him, and I'm super stoked he's doing this because uh, makes me laugh every week. Uh, yeah, it'll be a fun little program, uh, probably ahead of maybe him and Adam Cole down the line, kind of. And uh, the drama, I don't know. They they're doing such a good job of mixing drama, comedy, uh, and just keeping things interesting and fresh. Uh, yeah, I think MJF probably has a huge hand in all the crew, and that story is creative. And uh, kudos to him. It's uh, I, I can't stop watching. Uh, how about you, Dave? Yeah, um, seeing that big knee from Roderick Strong made me remember 
what's lurking underneath all of that. We're going to see that in a match at some point. Like, and dude, he's a vicious, like him, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish all kind of have a certain way about their style. It's very strong, uh, very tough, hard hitting, a lot of knees, a lot of kicking. Uh, yeah, so that seeing that just that little kick to a jobber made me or knee, a uh, big knee made me, you know, appreciate and remember like, cool, we're going to get like to see that in an actual match eventually. Yeah, is Kai Riley's he's still hurt? Do we know? Man, yeah, that sucks. Well, Bobby Fish yeah, doesn't even work there. Neck. I think he's impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby for yeah, they let his contract expire. And yeah, that was bummed. I was super looking forward to uh getting the uh getting the band back together there. Uh didn't last long though, huh? Maybe when Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are healthy, maybe they'll start entertaining it. And plus, AEW and Impact have a pretty good relationship as is. I don't think it'll be that hard to just say, hey, we're going to do an Undisputed Era reunion. Can we borrow Bobby Fish for a couple of months? I don't think that's an issue. Yeah, hopefully we'll get that one day. Uh, Let's see. After that, we get a video package kind of recapping how we got to where we are with Christian Cage and Nick Wayne turning on Darby Allen. Uh, the video package kind of just summed that up real quick. Uh, and it kind of hyped up the match at full gear, I believe, too. So, yeah, I'm uh, very invested in that whole situation. Christian Cage is probably doing the best work of his career right now. Uh, in my opinion, I really enjoy uh, him being a heel. Uh, he's going to be even greater when he uh, turns babyface with uh, Adam Copeland. But yeah, uh, what do you think of that feud, Chandler? I'm excited for it. Uh, Christian is one of the more entertaining people in AEW right now. I think that's not a hot take by any means, but... Uh, I love all the jokes that are being made. Like Christian isn't the father that stepped in. He's the father that stepped up and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I want him to get, I think one or two more people would be fun for his faction, but three, such a nice round number for these stables that you don't want to mess with it. And I don't know who else would you bring into this? Do you guys have any ideas of someone you might add to Christian's collective for the time being, or do you think it's only going to fall apart from here? Oh man, that's an awesome question. Uh, oh man, who on the roster would be good? Uh, needs some more time and can be a weird angsty heel. Uh, I have bring Jungle Boy back. That was good shout. I was thinking maybe to kind of this isn't a fantastic idea. It's a out there theory. Maybe it's a heel Darby Allen lead to the Sting match because. We can do face v face and have it be all hunky dory, but you could do heel v face. That's a possibility. I don't know if people would want that, but you could do it. Yeah, can we get Darby turning on uh, Adam Copeland and Sting at full gear? Potentially, I 
it's either I mean it could be Adam Copeland or it could be Darby. I think Adam Copeland might be more likely because Darby Allen's such a exciting wrestler. He's so over. I don't know if turning him heel would be a great idea, but it's an idea. Yeah, I think he kind of almost exists in that weird uh, tweener status already. I mean, he's over as all heck, but like attitude-wise, I don't know. I don't. He doesn't come across as like total babyface to me. Uh, man, I'm just I'm trying to think of any other like funny uh, possibilities. Uh, Would have been funny if Peter Avalon was still in the company. Somebody like that, just like or Marco Stunt, who's basically looked like a child. Uh, but you know, I always like the goofy wrestling shit. So, uh, my, my mind always goes into those weird goofy places. Uh, that should be a really great match at full gear. Uh, after that, we get Lexi Nair backstage with Mark Briscoe. Um, FTR comes up to Mark and offers to, uh, help them with his, Tag match against Kip Sabian. Uh, Mark Briscoe says he's uh, got two fellas in mind already. So that should be uh, interesting. Uh, I'm really liking seeing uh, Mark Briscoe. I'm getting a Dusty Rhodes vibe from uh, kind of the way he talks and his like Southern like baby kind of thing you know uh, i love it uh but yeah uh lexi nair asked him uh who he's gonna team with and it was super funny he goes i cannot divulge that information <laughs> the crowd uh, got a good chuckle out of that really fun segment uh yeah and we will find out later um next up we've got a match that i was very much looking forward to uh lance archer versus darby allen uh good to see jake the snake and lance archer back uh i know chandler you haven't really seen a lot of lance archer correct i have not this is my first time seeing him in any match yeah man um not super AEW related, but he used to wrestle for New Japan way back in the day. And part of Japanese culture, I guess, is uh, uh, I've heard this in an interview he had. It was he used to have like he always had that thing where he'd like be beating somebody up as he came out, and he was like super vicious. And I guess he uh, had a reputation for scaring the kids. And in Japanese culture, like they wanted you to do that because then your kid would like learn to face their fears and grow up strong. So he would like go to kids in the audience and start screaming at them and making the kids cry. And the parents would be like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just seeing him come out and like still just be a wrecking ball. That's not afraid of anything. Uh, pre pandemic before it was taboo, he would spit water at the crowds. Like, yeah, he's just like, don't give a fuck. I'm just here to mess you up and everybody dies. And, uh, puts a smile on my face to see him coming back out again. And I still think him and Jake Roberts are the most ideal pairing ever. Uh, what was your take on that whole, uh, whole match, Dave? Yeah, we got to see Lance Archer and all of his violent, uh, brutal glory. Uh, he manhandled Darby Allen for a 
most of the match, basically. Uh, we had a really beautiful uh, big pounce to Darby Allen uh, that sent Darby out of the ring. Uh, at one point, Nigel McInnes, I really love this, he referred to the blackout, which is uh, Lance Archer's finisher, into a... Uh, reverse razor's edge, which is a cool way to think of that. I really appreciated that. Uh, we got Lance Archer attempting the top rope strut, kind of like what uh Ricky Starks does. <laughs> Darby ends up shaking the ropes, Lance Archer lands on his uh junk. Uh, later on. Um, we had a really nice climbing knee lift to Darby from Lance Archer. And, uh, I have it written down here. Uh, Lance Archer looks literally like in the best shape I've ever seen him in watching AEW. Like he looked like he put on a lot of muscle mass, uh, and definitely, definitely looked menacing <laughs> to say the least. Uh, we had a cool spot where Darby countered the blackout into a stunner, got a two count out of that. Uh, we had a, uh, nasty spot, which, uh, is my most cringeworthy spot of the night behind that, uh, AR Fox back of the knees on the apron. Uh, we had Lance Archer choke slamming Darby Allen onto the apron over the top rope. That literally made me gasp. Like, good lord! <laughs> what do you think of that, Chad? Uh, you know me. I loved it. I'm a terrible human because I love <laughs> that stuff. Um, yeah, no, that's I, I I didn't even think of it as a choke Sam so much as he just spiked him like a football. Like that that was just that looked like it sucked to take, but uh Darby's also taken worse. <laughs> I remember him getting chucked down the stairs by FTR the uh the empty arena area, remember back in uh, Jacksonville when was it uh, FTR? Who... Ooh, I, I can't remember. Yeah, just yeah. concrete concrete stairs, top of the arena. Boop, went Oof. tumbling down. So Oof. yeah, he's 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 always up for taking those, but man, that was like uh shades of uh him tossing Marco's stunt like three rows back way back in the day, too. Ugh. I mean, it, we didn't get a good view of it, but him at Wrestle Dream with Christian Cage, where Christian threw him like three times from the apron onto the steps, and it wasn't like on the nice flat area, which is so weird to say, but like the nice flat area. No, he landed on the step sides. Like, ugh. Kevin Owens had a bump like that in his last match with Roman Reigns, where he's on the steps and Roman Reigns just chucks his head into those step parts. You watch it, you're just like, why are you doing that? Ugh. <laughs> but back to Lance Archer, I thought he was pretty dang good. He reminded me a lot of Undertaker, if I'm being honest with you guys. Um, I know when someone in AEW does it, the comparison is Ricky starts. But whenever I see a big, tall, spooky guy with long hair go on the top rope and walk across it, I think of old school from Undertaker. So that's what I had in my notes. But I I mean, he looked fantastic from this one match I've seen. 
Uh, I love a good choke slam and his choke. The first one in the ring was gorgeous. And then the one with the apron was disgusting, as you said. Um, and I liked seeing Jake the Snakes Roberts. I haven't really said, I don't have any uh, background experience with him at all. I remember the year I started really getting into wrestling was the year he was put into the WWE Hall of Fame, which was pretty big because he was uh, not taboo, but he wasn't really favored because of his unfortunate substance abuse issues. But thanks to DDP, he's back, and I'm glad that people like him can come back from their demons and at least show up on primetime TV again and be a part of something, which I don't know is... Jake the Snake Roberts have something going on this Saturday night, Dave? I have no idea. Did it have anything to do with the conclusion of the match? Uh, could be, could be. Uh, but first, uh, Jake actually gets ejected from the match after picking up the uh, or Darby skateboard, which uh thought was kind of cool. Uh, Darby, Darby ended up hitting a pretty nice Canadian destroyer from the top rope onto Lance Archer for the win. Uh, kind of surprised he was able to hit that move on Lance Archer, but uh, good to see nonetheless. Uh, Jake ends up coming out, uh, reveals that the Righteous, uh, Dutch and Vincent, are with him now. Uh, looks like we've got a new faction, huh? Uh, Vincent says, Revenge is forever. It's showtime. Lance Archer's behind Darby Allen, ends up giving him the blackout after several attempts during the match. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, what kind of, uh, names do we have that we could uh float around for the name of jake the snakes faction well i was gonna say before we get too far do we think this is actually going to be long term or do we think this is going to be uh maybe for a few collisions or so and then it'll peter out because it'd be fun if it lasted for a while but you guys think it's here to stay i think so i think they've got a lot of crossover uh, over opportunities uh pop up on collision maybe the occasional dynamite and like also probably just can run, run rough shot over roh too because you know that's kind of the, the righteous sort of home so uh yeah i think they have lots lots of opportunities to get themselves over and uh with jake there i think yeah it's just a matter of time before uh there's probably amongst the top heels uh that we're, we get used to seeing uh but cool names oh man i don't have any good good ideas Dave, righteous snakes <laughs> if i knew more about these guys i probably would have a fun name but i don't i don't know anything uh you know just something simple the snake pit or you know oh. the viper pit or uh cobra kai no wait cool. i was thinking uh, someone did i just break copyright I was thinking something culty like the commune or something like that. The compound maybe. Cause I mean, Jake, the snakes Roberts has that kind of culty slow feeling. Righteous are very much like inspired from the Wyatts or a la the Wyatt family and Lance Archer could fit into any bit of that. So maybe if you go for some sort of cult vibe, that'd be fun. Yeah. Go back to Darby's compound and uh, shoot some more promos there. Did you get that link I sent you uh, Chandler? 
Oh, was it the one where it was Lance Archer with all the weird matches? Yeah. I don't. I'll check it after. I don't think so. I didn't see it. I've been checking my email a lot. Maybe. <laughs> Might have gotten missed. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, but yeah, uh, cool to see. We might be getting a new faction. Um, after that, we've got Lexi Nair backstage with Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Sky Blue. Um, they kind of want to know why Sky Blue made her choice to back Willow Nightingale. Sky Blue tells Statlander that she made her choice for Willow and not for her, and that she has Willow's back. Uh, Sky Blue ends up walking away. Statlander had to reassure Willow Nightingale that she also had her back. So it kind of looks to me that Sky Blue is trying to get in Statlander's head, and she did a good job of that. Yeah, she wants the gold. Uh, can't blame her. Uh, why would you be in the company if you weren't going for championships? Uh, she, yeah, Sky Blue's probably, for me, the most improved wrestler of the year. Uh, where she started to where she is now, uh, getting squashed and basically dark and elevation to, uh, shoot, practically helping main event most of the women's matches now. Uh, that's pretty badass of her. Uh, what are you thinking of the storyline, Chandler? Um, it's interesting. I didn't even pick up on her going after Chris Statlander. Like that was the goal. I was just kind of confused because it's like she got sprayed by the Julia Hart mist and people were presuming she's going to turn heel. And then you finally had the big confrontation and she like spewed mist on Julia Hart. So she's clearly still a face. She's just goth, but she still dresses up like goth. So the mist affected her and, I think I'm overthinking it a bit and they just wanted to change up her appearance and I just need to get past that. So if this is going towards a Chris Statlander Sky Blue TBS title match, I'm fine with that. That should be fun. Um, yeah, I think if I just was reading the whole situation wrong and they're just wanting to change up Sky Blue's appearance, then yeah, I'm all for it. I don't know much about her. I don't think I've seen her wrestle once, but seems interesting. What about you, Dave? What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. I think they're definitely leading towards a Sky Blue versus Statlander match at some point, maybe full gear. Um, yeah, I was going to mention, I forgot to last podcast when we were talking over the full gear card so far, I had it written down on the bottom. Uh, no TBS title match yet. So I kind of feel like that'll be the one. We'll uh, we'll get there probably on collision next week. You think we're gonna get two, two whole women's matches at full gear? That's a whole lot more than they typically uh, do. Man, you're right. <laughs> Damn. We'll save it for World's <laughs> End. Save it for World. It's a slow build, okay? Yeah. Yeah. We're only in the oh, third oh. inning here, okay? Uh, we might have a battle for the belt sometime in between then too. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll get that match eventually. Uh, yeah, probably not at full gear now that you, uh, put it in perspective, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, should be fun when it happens. Uh, next up, we've got our 
uh, everyone's favorite Lexi Nair backstage again with Alex Abrahantes. He is kind of putting over um, Commander El Vikingo and Penta for their three-way match they had on Rampage. He's interrupted by Swerve Strickland. Uh, basically, they've set up a Swerve and Penta match for Dynamite, which we will see live. That should be a banger. Um, and yeah, uh, basically, Alex tells Swerve he should be keeping an eye out for Penta. Uh, should be a great match. Uh, it's kind of a weird branch off storyline match being that uh hangman page and sort of have a thing going on but that's kind of cool to see that they're able to do that kind of like you said earlier chad it's a living breathing world and like you're not just stuck in your cody island of <laughs> uh of a feud but yeah that should be cool uh what do you think chandler uh, I'm sure Hangman's going to inter interfere, so that's how they're going to continue this story of Swerve and Hangman. Maybe they'll set up a stipulation. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, Penta and Swerve have a big history in Lucha Underground. I don't know any of that. I haven't watched it, but I feel like I wanted to mention it. Maybe this will be a banger if they've already had matches before. I'm, of course, I'm looking forward to it. It's Swerve. I, who doesn't want to see a Swerve match? Yeah, there was one thing I'm not looking forward to, which is trying to take notes during that match because they're going to go a million miles a minute. It's just going to be like, okay, they just did a bunch of stuff and it was awesome. Oh, I'm probably just going to rewatch Dynamite <laughs> the next morning at home. Like, I'm, I'm, I'll just go watch Dynamite live and enjoy it. And then the next day, I'll take my notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, let's see. Even then, you'll probably have to slow down the video because those guys will do so much so quickly uh but yeah no that's it's cool uh that was actually one of my things i was a little disappointed there was no hangman tonight but at the same time they really did need to let ar fox and strickland breathe because that was just a hell of a match too uh so yeah hopefully they'll bring him back in on that next match that was a good point dave there is a bit of history for fox and swerve so it makes sense to blow off whatever rivalry they had you don't want it to be like keith lee and swerve where I think it's just to have a match at this point, people will never mention it again, and they just still haven't for whatever reason. Yeah, it'll be a great match. Uh, we are privileged to get to watch that live. Um, after that, we have a really fun 69-day uh, celebration for the acclaimed. Uh, uh, what's, <laughs> what's the significance of 69? I've set like sex stuff. <laughs> um, i don't think we can say we on should... youtube i don't think we could say it oh, okay let me google it real quick oh okay <laughs> yeah all right yeah anyway uh <laughs> i'm loving how immature this whole everything involved with the acclaimed is so immature and reminds me of like attitude era dx type shenanigans and it's so nice to see that kind of shit on television in 2023 uh yeah uh really cool we got uh 
Anthony Bowens surprises Max Caster with a pre-recorded MJF message. Uh, MJF thanks Max Caster for taking the belt shot and says he's starting to like the acclaimed. And he throws up the scissor. So uh, that was kind of a heartwarming moment. Uh, Max Caster shows off their 69-day celebration trophy. Um, then we are interrupted by the one, the only Dalton Castle, uh, one of my favorite, uh, ring of honor talents. Uh, he's so goofy, like the acclaimed verse Dalton Castle, perfect fit. Uh, we actually get a full entrance for Dalton Castle with the, uh, peacock wings and everything. Uh, really cool. Uh, the boys end up taking the trophy from them, and Dalton Castle smashes it to the ground. The acclaimed attack, they get into a, into a brawl, and we've got an impromptu trios title match. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, what do you think about all the shenanigans, Chandler? <laughs> Oh, man. You ever watch something where you can see how much the performers are enjoying it and having a blast, and that kind of reflects onto you and helps you enjoy it? I loved this segment so much. It was so silly, them just bantering with each other. I wrote down my favorite lines. I'm pretty sure Anthony Bowens called, um, or he told Max Caster to stop being a gooner, which, do you guys know what that means? Basically pervert, but it's a more modern sense of saying it. So I thought it was really funny that they're using modern slang. Um, Billy Gunn was like, wait, I don't think I can single-handedly 69 every person in Wichita tonight. I just thought that was so funny. And like, it kind of felt like they were just riffing and bantering a little bit. But like, it was entertaining. The crowd was eating it up. Um, and then the impromptu six-man match, like... Maybe as a WWE fan, I was expecting it the entire time. So I didn't need them to say, oh, who wants a match? Or even Dalton to say, I want a match. I just kind of expected it. And then to have it be someone like Dalton Castle and the boys, you're not beating a, a major talent, but you're still getting an entertaining match. Um, speaking of Dalton Castle, I loved how he stuck out his fans and his boys were feeding them, like eating out of his hand. And he was like, ah, feeding the boys. Like, so many little stupid things like that that make Dalton Castle so entertaining. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a long match, wasn't a, like, pulse-pounding match, but it was silly fun, and the acclaimed are so good. They're so good. Yeah, 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 fun, really fun stuff. Uh, what about you, Chad? How do you, how do you, uh, oh, you feel know, about I that impromptu match? I love goofy wrestling stuff. Uh commentary tried to sort of put it over i think after the uh the break they came back it's like well tony Khan, tony Khan made it official it was an open challenge and uh sure and they, yeah yeah but it, it was like yeah wwe is pretty famous for the impromptu match like as if they don't have like bookings and plans for a television broadcast most of the shows the main event is scheduled on the night during the broadcast in kayfabe so it's yeah. like who cares yeah, um, so, one of one of my notes too. Nigel McGinnis was killing it during this segment. Uh, the whole commentary team for me, for my money on Collision, is kind of my favorite right now. 
Uh, they're just a little more loose, a little more fun, a little better, like heel face dynamic kind of reminds me of, uh, like, I think you were saying the other week, Bobby, the brain Heenan, or, uh, even going further back, uh, Jesse Ventura. Uh, yeah. so I, it just gives me these like really old school fun vibes. Uh, but yeah, Nigel was just cracking me up during this whole segment, but, uh, no, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was a nice, nice breath of fresh air. Uh, the wrestling was pretty good and the shenanigans were great. Um, but yeah, um, uh, I don't know. Do you have fun during that one, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what you two were telling me is I was sports entertained. (laughs) We're back, baby. Vince McMahon wins. (laughs) Nah. Shit. But back to your commentary segment that like, or comment, I was kind of thinking like, Oh my gosh, is Nigel McGuinness, Kevin Kelly, Tony Schiavone, my favorite commentary team. Yeah. I really like uh, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett for WWE. They're killing it right now. But I like Nigel McGuinness is so funny. You just have to like barely append, barely pay attention to what he says, and you're going to be cracking up. Tony Giovanni is killing it on play by play. I'm really glad they brought him out. And Kevin Kelly's a nice, like, kind of wholesome center. Like, oh, I don't know, guys. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So, I, I, I'm really liking Collision for the commentary. I think they really add to the matches most of the time and uh yeah uh other stuff back to the match uh billy guns like shorts kept on falling off so the fans are chanting him to take off his shorts and of course he obliged and i kind of just had this epiphany of watching this match like billy gun probably doesn't have much long left much more left after he loses this trio's title i really do think that's going to be a really sad retirement for me which you if you told me that Six months ago, I would not have believed you that Billy Gunn is one of the saddest upcoming retirements for me. But I'm going to be so sad when he's done. He's been killing it in this role. Yeah, 60 years old. Jacked as a granite statue. And yeah, no, he has no business being as awesome as he is. Uh, but yeah, no, it's he, yeah, he can't he can't be uh, going much longer. I agree with that. But uh yeah, mind blowing. Um, and I think the other week he made the point where, like, if he would have took all of DX and said, "20 years from now, he's going to be the one who's still entertaining everybody," uh, I think he would have been laughed out of the room. And he's over. He's so over. Like, he's a legend. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think his kids are going to carry on the legacy, man. They're they're uh, they're just getting better and better every week now, too. Yeah, looking forward to seeing them yeah. at full gear. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite bits during the uh, empty arena era was uh, when they had all the performers sitting ringside to sort of be them was uh, Billy and the guns betting on all of the matches with MJF. Dude, it was like always in the background. They weren't super obvious about it. But they, were, they were always like, there's always money handing back and forth. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. That's funny. Yeah, Pure comedy gold. Uh, yeah, even after he retires, he better just be their manager, you know, like for as long as he can do it. Uh, that should be the way to go. And then eventually when uh, Colton and Austin turn face or whatever, he could go back with them, I feel would be appropriate. Uh, but yeah, yeah. 
Um, at one point, we get a pinata being brought into the ring, and uh, Dalton Castle gets smashed over the head with it. Uh, <laughs> no disqualification? Uh, sure. <laughs> it's paper mash. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> uh, we get picture in picture. When we come back from that, we get a famouser to Dalton Castle from Anthony Bowens. Uh, we get a scissor me timbers to Dalton Castle into the mic drop from Max Caster for the win. Uh, fun match. The whole segment was fun. Uh, it was a bonus to get a entire match out of it too for me. So uh, I thought we were just going to get a uh, celebration. So uh, yeah, win, win, win for me. Loved it all. Anything the acclaimed is in any segment, I'm gonna enjoy. So, uh, yeah. What do you think, Chad? Oh, same, same. It's uh, man. Can you remember? You remember when they were just the heels that you've never heard of? I think like they got thrown together by Tony Khan uh, to where they are now, which is what top five acts in the company. Uh, easily it's pretty incredible top three even maybe that's a yeah. little yeah. when you got like danielson on top mjf as champ and kenny omega doing good singles matches it's hard to beat them but the acclaimed aren't that far behind they are so good right now and somewhat off topic but max caster's so gonna be mjf's partner for full gear right like it's oh, him yeah. or Samoa Joe, but I think Max Caster is the easy pick on this one. By the way, how much do you think they uh, paid MJF for his uh, cameo? Sorry, that was just that video to me kind of just felt like one of those cameos. Uh, let's buy them of that for his dad's birthday kind of thing. I was just, mm-hmm. like, I was cracking up over that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, he's starting to kind of like the acclaimed, so he's going to do a rap within a week or two. So I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah, my buddy Benji was telling me they bought a, a Matt Hardy cameo for uh, his friend's wedding. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, cool. Huh. Ideas um, for Dave's birthday. Sting cameo? Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Khan yeah. cameo? Oh. <laughs> I hope your birthday's only, really great. I only... All in picking still the only want... for first. His birthday's in nine days. Tony. <laughs> I have a big announcement on Dave's birthday in eight days. It is coming up. I have a big announcement. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be how it would go. <laughs> uh, I only went coked out, Tony, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, oh, next one more up. tiny thing. Um, I could be wrong. I didn't. I was really surprised because I thought when like Death Triangle first had the belts, they won a lot, but they said that the acclaimed and daddy ass are the most winning as trios champs. Like they've had the most defenses. That's crazy for only 69 days. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there was a chunk there. Yeah. The death triangle didn't like perform a lot. Hmm. Cause uh, yeah, I think they, uh, they put the, belts on him what right after the brawl in because reasons and uh beyond the best of seven they didn't really do much in the interim i don't think huh weird i yeah. 
I didn't know. I just kind of assumed. I thought I heard them wrestling a lot with them, but good for the acclaimed. Speaking of, where the hell is Pack? Injured, I thought. God. Yeah. Didn't he Always. get injured at Blood and Guts? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, with him, it's either injured or visa stuff. I feel like he, he pops up, you get all excited, and then either hurt or can't get back in the country. It's kind of probably a bummer about living in England. I remember him as uh, Neville in WWE, and his talent or his gimmick was god awful. I thought he was so cringe. I hated him. But then the match would start, and you're like, oh my God, he's such a great wrestler. Like, I have to put that aside. But the fact that he was Mighty Mouse was just so stupid. And, you know, there would be a time or two, like, he had a great match with Seth, Seth Rollins on Raw during his first title or world title run. And it was one of those great pinfalls where he had to put the foot on the rope by his heel authority guys. And that's the only way he retained. So it was just a fantastic match. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see a, a Pac where he can go all out. I mean, I should go back and watch some matches. You got any good Pac matches to recommend? Orange Cassidy versus Pac at Revolution 2020. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> that was like the first time Orange Cassidy really like fired up too and got yeah. aggressive. He's gonna yeah, try. Yeah, that was a great match. Yeah, uh, I'll check that out. But yeah, I feel like we'll have uh, we could have Pack returning, you know, anytime. And uh, I'm still waiting on Jamie Hader. Uh, waiting on Thunder Rosa. Apparently, like, she's yeah, a lot good. Like she's ready to come back. She's just been on Spanish commentary for a bit, so I don't know where the uh, hesitation is with that one. Yeah, there's been some uh, chatter about her returning at full gear, I believe. So that would be good. Yeah, she's a good but, one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving forward, we've got Kip Sabian and the Workhorseman versus Mark Briscoe, Dustin Rhodes, and Limitless Keith Lee. Uh, I thought that was a cool little surprise on his two mystery partners uh aew is all about the mystery partners like wow <laughs> it's kind of their thing and uh lights out moments too yeah with uh, such a deep talented roster i'm always in for it and i'm always wrong when i guess and i'm always surprised uh, pleasantly surprised when the person comes out of the curtain yeah this one was one where i was like i'm not even gonna waste a thought on speculating who this could be i'm just gonna be surprised and i was i mean i didn't expect dustin rhodes and keith lee again weren't we talking them about them like a week or two ago saying weren't they a tag team so they didn't come out as a tag team but they were on the same page yeah yeah definitely very uh uh glad to see them um yeah, Dustin Rhodes, what a what a treasure to have wrestling on our television. Uh, that's kind of the whole AEW thing, man. They're like giving us an opportunity to watch people wrestle that we really shouldn't be getting an opportunity to see. Like, like Jeff Jarrett, Dustin Rhodes, 
uh, Rob Van Dam, you name it. Like, and they're really taking care of the legends, and I really appreciate that. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is another one where at the end of his uh, WWE run, it kind of felt like he was held up by tape and string, and he was at the end of his run, and you know, probably was just him being done with the gold dust gimmick which i don't blame him it can get old but i'm glad to see him wrestling isn't he back or isn't he in his last year or his retirement run or something like that i feel like they haven't done anything with that right no, i i feel like part of his personality is i don't think he'd want to make a big deal of it he just probably wants the opportunity to have a few more good matches and then probably just go back to you know i think he helps teach at the nightmare factory and probably help develop background back uh, the younger talents they'll probably have him come out maybe if unless he's still with aew but let's say he retires before the next wrestlemania or whatever and cody beats roman and wins the title they should have him come out and like congratulation and something like that like he's still a big wwe character he's a tied a dusty road so i think that'd be a really emotional moment to have him out i mean having um negative one at wrestlemania this year i i was like oh it's a kid and then to find out it was actually Brody lee's son i thought that was an awesome move uh sucks that he had to watch cody lose but whatever no nah, super cool yeah. that especially with uh you know, Grandmaster Vince, they're uh, kind of taking more of a backseat that they're like letting more stuff like that happen. Cause uh, yeah, especially seeing negative one there, that was, uh, that's uh, pretty tugs on the old heartstrings. I mean, th- this was a million years ago, but Ricky Starks was at the Royal Rumble this year. He wasn't shown, but people saw him like, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, Britt Baker was at, uh, <laughs> Uh, what was that nxt when cole was there they actually showed her accidentally showed her in the crowd i didn't even know that that's in the table spot yeah the the big table spot i'll go back and look for it that's funny i didn't even notice that (laughs) you think they edited her out of the wwe network yeah on the replay yeah yeah probably uh but yeah, back to the match. Uh, Keith Lee, Dustin Rhodes, uh, they looked great. They're in shape. They look like they've still got it. Uh, Keith Lee looked a little slimmer to me, to be honest. Like he had actually been uh, putting in the work. Uh, we get a big cannonball to Mark Briscoe. Uh, Kip Sabian does a really nice Arabian moonsault to Mark Briscoe on the outside. Um, they isolate Mark Briscoe for quite a bit. Then we end up getting a hot tag to Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Dustin does a beautiful Canadian destroyer uh, to Kip Sabian. Uh, Keith Lee power bombed one of the workhorsemen on top of Kip Sabian. Then we get a froggy bow from Mark Briscoe to Kip Sabian for the win. Uh, I really had no doubt that uh, Mark Briscoe, Dustin Rhodes, and Keith Lee were going to win. But uh, yeah, fun little match. What do you think about it, Chad? 
first off, I can I say it was really cool to see uh, Kip Sabian again. Uh, he he popped me when we were at Battle of the Belts uh, against OC. That was I always forget how much I enjoy seeing him in the ring because he's such a personality. You forget he's actually really good in the ring too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also uh, JD Dillon was it the bigger of the two uh, workhorsemen? Uh, yeah. Man, he can go too. Uh looks crisp. Um yeah, I just I wish he'd uh they'd find more for him to do because uh I think I think uh he could uh be a, one of the big big men on TV that you could see more of. Uh but no, it's a fun match. It was great to see all of them. Uh, happy to see Mark Briscoe back. Uh obviously since the unfortunate passing of his brother uh he's been getting a lot of exposure on AEW since then which uh much earned though he is so talented uh my notes here i uh when he was doing his promo i was like i just want to have a beer with the dude he he just comes off as like a kind of a goofy everyday guy a redneck that uh just happens to also be able to whoop your ass Uh, yeah this was my uh my first ever viewing of Mark Briscoe, so much more charismatic than I ever could have expected. Just on the mic, in the ring, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, maybe I got to go back and watch those Briscoe's FTR matches. I hear those are pretty dang good. But yeah, um, uh, I not a negative on the match, but I thought it would go into like a second gear or I was expecting a commercial break. So when they tagged in Dustin and did the power slam and then Keith Lee did his power bomb and then Mark hit his finisher and they were like, Oh, done and dusted. I was like, Oh, this must've just been a way to get all these characters back on TV. Like, Hey, Mark Briscoe's back. I heard he was injured. Keith Lee's back. He's having a big match on dynamite. What I'm excited about. Um, yeah, it was a, a fine and fun match. Nothing too bad about it. And I hope I see more from Mark Briscoe soon. Yeah, that's one of the things I've been noticing about Collision. Um, a lot more um, foregone conclusion type matches, like squash matches, enhancement talent, uh, stuff that like, you know, there's no no uh, no doubt in your mind who's going to win just because like, oh, these guys didn't even get an entrance type of situations. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but um definitely uh definitely we like a little more old school feeling kind of reminds me of like uh wwe when i was a kid watching it like oh this guy's clearly a jobber except for when the one two three kid beat razor ramon they uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. anything can happen in the wwe once in a while once in a blue moon yeah for sure and uh damn can we get mark briscoe on commentary <laughs> please oh, that would be fun <laughs> i think i think i would enjoy that uh speaking of mark briscoe uh we've got lexi nair backstage with mark briscoe uh uh he calls out jay white uh calls him an imposter um and lo and behold we're gonna get that match at dynamite here in portland uh i'm looking really forward to that and i really liked uh mark briscoe barking at the camera right at the end (laughs) nice little touch uh yeah fun really love it i wrote down here i'm i'm getting that dusty roads vibe in the way he talks uh just really cool uh good to have him back 
Yeah, I kind of want to go rewatch the uh, the segment where they all went to his farm with uh, Jeff Jarrett and company. Oh, I, I I think that one I've never. I don't think I've ever laughed out loud as much as I did during that segment. It's just goofy and weird for all the right reasons. Yeah, they're all wearing like coveralls and. <laughs> Hard to, beat. Uh, yeah. Hard to beat when they just go goofy like that, you know? Yep. Yep. You got to have goof in wrestling. <laughs> uh, was, this, was this right after they announced a big match for Wrestle Kingdom 18? Was it right after this match or was it in the middle of the next match? Not quite sure, but yeah, that's uh, Danielson and Okada. Yeah, that'll be. Uh... Shoot, I might have to stay up to watch that one. I'm never too sure of the time difference on that. I think uh, I was looking at some other matches. I don't know if it's a triple threat or it's uh, they haven't decided it, but it's also going to be Will Ospreay versus either John Moxley and Mike Bailey or, or Mike Finley, I think is his name. David Finley. David Finley. David Finley. Yeah. Yes. So it's either John Moxley or David Finley or osprey versus moxley versus finley which should be fun even what? if it's just moxley osprey i think that'll be a good match Ooh, that sounds like a stiff match i'd be uh, uh definitely the uh ghoul and me wants to see that so i believe david finley is the current leader of the real bullet club yep and also the son of fit finley i don't know if you guys remember him uh I remember being a child watching him wrestle. Looked he he looked kind of dorky with that bleach blonde uh flat top. He wore a green singlet with a big clover leaf right on his chest. Uh yeah, kind of a goofy guy, but he was a hard hitter. Yeah. So yeah, kind of cool. Kind of yeah. These days and age, kind of famous kind of reminds me just like everything he does looks like it hurts. Yeah. Only thing I really Remember know about he? Finley, I know I know two things about Fit Finley. He had a match with JBL at a WrestleMania, and there's a moment. This was also when he was uh, Hornswoggle's father. Uh, JBL takes a trash can, and like Hornswoggle's outside on the like outside the ring, JBL throws it like as hard as he can, and it just like crumbles under Hornswoggle. It's like kind of uncomfortable, but kind of funny. And then uh, he gave the biggest pop of his career to Becky Lynch during the Royal Rumble lead up to WrestleMania 35 because she was coming out to hot hang in. And he did the like, oh, duh, oh, duh, go. I guess you can't, you know, the typical got to amp it up. But that's all I know about Finley. I think he's still a backstage producer at WWE. So, yeah, I think he uh, helps direct the women's division, if I remember correctly. So, uh they got a pretty good women's division, so he's probably pretty darn good at his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember him having a really good program with uh, William Regal in WCW. They had uh, some bangers. Uh, I remember that pretty vividly. But uh, yeah, that should be really cool. I'm trying to debate whether I want to watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom or not. It's a two-night thing, right? I think so. Yeah. I'll probably yeah, try to we'll, check we'll out a couple of the matches. Definitely Okada Danielson too. Other than that, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah anything with Osprey, I'll definitely uh, try to seek out. 
Yeah. Um, next up, we've got our one women's match of the episode. Uh, Willow Nightingale versus Emmy Sakura. Um, this is actually a basically a rematch, uh, rematch from earlier in the year, uh, June 2nd. Uh, it was Emmy Sakura versus Willow Nightingale for the New Japan Women's Strong title. Uh, as usual, Willow looked very strong, very powerful. Um, and I'm always happy to see Emmy Sakura. Uh, both of their styles meshed perfectly in this match. The hard hitting, the uh, aggressiveness. Uh, we got a really nice uh, cross body to Willow uh, when she was propped up against the steel steps. Uh, we got Emmy Sakura giving some brutal chops to Willow. Um, I'm kind of feeling like Emmy Sakura might be the best female chopper <laughs> in the business. Uh, God, yeah, they're great. They're uh, pretty hard. We got Will oh, yeah. We got Willow coming back with a Death Valley driver to Emmy Sakura on the outside. We got a shotgun kick from Willow Nightingale from the top rope to Emmy for a two count. Um, at one point during the match, uh, they announce uh, the returning Red Velvet. Versus Julia Hart for Dynamite. Um, happy to see both of them. I love Red Velvet. Uh, she's been out for over a year at this point. And uh, I'm glad Julia Hart wasn't out for her wedding and honeymoon for too long to where it would uh, affect her push, I guess, that she was having not too long ago. Uh yeah, I got written down here. Aggressive. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of, uh, and I think they mentioned it on commentary, very William Regal-esque of a match. Chopping, hard-hitting. Uh, we got a beautiful spine buster to Emmy uh, Sakura for a two-count. Then we got the uh, Dr. Bomb for the win for Willow. Uh, yeah, Willow Nightingale super over. Uh, yeah, Chandler. What do you think of uh, Willow Nightingale right now? I think she's uh she's pretty good in the ring. I think she's getting good reactions from the crowd. Other than uh, the crowd was dead for this match. It wasn't a great crowd, anyways. But they were exceptionally quiet for this match, which is kind of disappointing because I thought it was a pretty fun match. It wasn't you know one of the greatest matches I've ever seen, but it was a lot of fun. These are two very talented women in the ring. Um, I hope good things for, or I hope for good things for Willow Nightingale. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but people pitched her. It was either her or Chris Statlander is the one to take the TBS title off of Jade for the longest time, or Taya Val Valkyrie. Yeah. Am I saying Ooh, that? Okay. That, uh, that but match. Those all I'm saying was, from what I've heard, those are the three big names that were always going to take the title off of Cargill. So it's kind of odd that for someone who was so slated to do it, they haven't done much with her since. But I don't know. I was also hoping for 
again, kind of alluding back to that sky blue uh, backstage segment earlier, I was hoping for something with that. Like maybe Julia Hart comes out again and she saves her again, but she Willow just won the match and that was it, which that's like, that's bad, but it was kind of like, well, what was the point of the match at the end of the day? It was still fun, but it didn't progress any stories. It didn't put Willow Nightingale anywhere further towards a, a championship which like you said should be the end goal here but she's still entertaining and i hope they keep putting her on tv what do you think chad yeah uh very physical very fun uh yeah all those uh the cross bodies the fun splashes uh i think they both had a couple of those spots and they every time it popped me uh but yeah uh it's kind of just a shut your brain off and enjoy it kind of a match uh for me i think it was probably the one of the more hard-hitting women's matches i've seen in recent ma- uh, memory uh they've made a few um uh references to uh sakura being a tr- big time trainer in japan and it's like you can see why holy crap uh she every time she pulls out some sort of move i've never seen her do before i was like wow like there's not much she can't do uh but yeah, not super impactful storyline wise, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, yeah, I do. I do miss her uh, Freddie Mercury gimmick uh, that she rocked for quite a while. Uh, she uh, would come out Chandler in like a yellow, like Freddie Mercury thing. And like the beginning of her theme song was like, and like but then it would kind of change but yeah she'd get the crowd doing that yeah it was kind of cool well that makes Uh, a lot of sense because i remember back to all in when uh soraya came out with queen as her song and i think it was that it was we will rock you i think it was that song specifically i remember seeing a video of emmy sakura and the crowd crying and i had no idea why i was like what that doesn't make any sense. Like, is she that emotional for Soraya coming out to Queen? And that, that makes a lot of sense because Queen's been her gimmick for years and she's been wanting it for years. And they give it to Soraya because she's the hometown hero. And I don't know. I don't want to talk about Soraya winning the title in Wembley because I just think that was a bad idea through and through. But Sakura was great. Sakura was great tonight. It'd be fun to have her have that gimmick back. I mean, she looked like a queen, like she dressed up like a queen. So maybe that's mm-hmm. the best Tony Khan's going to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun match. I, uh, well, I like seeing Willow anytime I can. Uh, after that, we've got Lexi Nair backstage with Samoa Joe. Uh, who is now the longest reigning Ring of Honor TV champion. Um, He has yet to hear back from MJF about his offer to help him out. Uh, Then we got Keith Lee coming out, uh, challenges Samoa Joe for a TV title shot. Uh, I wrote, yes, please. (laughs) Uh, This could, uh, I feel, kind of invigorate Keith Lee's current momentum or image right now uh i think he really needs this uh to get back on the uh maybe not the main event scene but the uh upper upper middle card i guess uh 
yeah, and we're gonna get to see that live. I'm pretty stoked for that. Uh, I know Chandler, you're uh, equally excited as I am, right? Oh yeah, Samoa Joe. I think if I had to say one wrestler in AEW that is my favorite, it might be Samoa Joe. Mostly just because I loved him in WWE and he was criminally underused there. So to see him be used as a destroyer is fantastic. I think him immediately already passing a longest title ever reign is fantastic. I also don't think it's that unheard of to have Keith Lee win this matchup coming on Wednesday. Let me let me pitch. Let me pitch. Keith Lee's got a history in Portland. He had an NXT Portland match with uh, Dominic Dijakovic. I've never seen it, but people uh, I say was, it's... I was at that pay-per-view. It was bananas. Probably so, my favorite match I've ever seen live. So Keith Lee's got a history in Portland. If those fans are back, they might know it. I mean, it's going to be hardcore fans then, hardcore fans now. Um, you already got Mojo passing the record, so he doesn't need to hold it on anymore. Maybe a title loss will motivate him even further for this MJF story. So as much as I love Samoa Joe and want him to hold all the gold for the rest of his life, maybe this is where Keith Lee starts going up a little bit. Even if it's just a Ring of Honor title, I think beating Samoa Joe for this would be big for him and would propel him up to a new stage. What do you think about this match coming up, Chad? Yeah, anything that puts Keith Lee uh, on our television more often, uh, yeah, I think I think it's time. Joe's got Joe's got the longest reign now. There's probably not much else for him to do with that title. Uh, yeah, give us more Keith Lee. Joe can Joe can Joe's above belts. Like he doesn't need a belt to be awesome. Uh, during that promo he had right before that, uh, I kind of agreed with everything he said, which is my favorite heel type is. Uh, the heel that makes good points for you, like he's kind of a dick, but he's not wrong. Uh, yeah, no, uh, entertainment, and uh, I'm super stoked we get to see it live. That's gonna be uh, awesome. We'll see if Keith Lee can uh, have my uh, top two favorite matches that I've seen live. Uh, yeah, that that uh, uh Dijakovic match he had was sure something else, and the, the crowd was so up for it. It was a real hot crowd there, too. Is that your favorite match live? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Wow, yeah, crazy. Was, uh that was back like that was my favorite iteration of NXT, the the old black and golds. Uh they, they had such good like they had Keith Lee, then some of F F T R and DIY had some of my favorite tag team feuds. Uh it was a good, yeah, it was a really good time for uh NXT wrestling. Man, that's crazy because I remember my dad telling me that NXT's coming to Portland like around that time and being like Eh, mostly just because I wasn't into wrestling back then, but just being like, ah, whatever, I don't care. And now hearing it was a fantastic show, like, yeah. gosh, damn, if I could have gone back and seen that, I would have. Yeah, and a couple months later, the world shut down. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, weird times. Yeah, I think uh, Keith Lee could benefit more from winning the belt then Samoa Joe would do retaining the belt. That'd be a that'd be a bigger benefit for Keith Lee. I think it might be it could be a good time. Yeah, for sure. The record's been broken. Uh I would not be surprised if we see a title change. Uh do we think that'll be the main event? No. no. no it'll no, be no. MJF and Garcia. Yeah. I think it'll probably well, open the show like the international title did, but yeah, I think MJF is the main event. 
Yeah, you want a strong yeah. opener, that'll be it. That'll get you amped up for the rest of the show, no, no problem. Yeah. But yeah, looking forward to that live, baby. Um, All right, we've made it to our main event for the night. It's time. Big Bill, Ricky. It's time for the main event. <laughs> uh, Big Bill, Ricky Starks, who are the AEW Tag Team Champions, with Gate Savagony, which is Bishop Khan and Toa Leona, versus FTR and LFI. Um, yeah, really fun main event. We've got Jim Ross coming out for the main event commentary, which I gotta say is just the right amount of Jim Ross. We only need, yep, we only need him for the main event of collision and pay per views. Uh, we, yeah, we just don't need him the whole episode. I don't think he can hang the whole episode without saying something <laughs> that he maybe shouldn't well, even so, last, uh, yeah. last week that major world title match for the awa championship like awa <laughs> i know that's a, such a small thing but it's the company you work for right like, chandler yeah. one time he he called kenny omega the wwe champion on dynamite ah no remember, remember that chad oh yeah 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 there was uh there's a few memes about that one i never even heard of that that is amazing i'm looking that up as yeah. soon as this podcast is over i that is funny i have to hear that that's as big as seeing john cena and them saying his name on dynamite that's crazy <laughs> yep yeah that happened uh <laughs> But yeah, uh, really hard-hitting, freaking violent match. Uh, Roosh looks like a main event star. Like, I'm sure WWE is kicking themselves in the butt for not doing what it took to sign him. Because he could have went either way when he signed with AEW. So uh yeah, did he just good resign or was that like the initial signing? The initial. Uh yeah, WWE wanted him pretty bad. Um also Preston Vance, like he's really come a long way too. Like from uh so Chandler, he was in the dark order for a very long time and wore a mask and was like handpicked by Brody Lee, and uh he ended up turning on the dark order and Dude, he is his whole new image now is working. He needed that reinvention of his his uh gimmick and whatnot. But yeah, he kind of like was able to hold his own against Big Bill for a little while. That was kind of cool. Uh yeah, that was a that was a big thing I noticed was I'd never heard of this guy before. I vaguely heard of Roosh, but no idea who this guy was, but seeing him wrestle and you know, my WWE mindset, seeing a guy the size of Preston Vance and a guy the size of Big Bill go up against each other in a tag match. Big Bill's going to walk all over him. But no, he was chopping him, giving him big forearm strikes. Uh, I was impressed because it looked like his mugshot was his T-shirt. I didn't know if that was fake or real, but that's funny either way. Um, but yeah, not to cut you off too early, but Preston Vance was very entertaining in this match. Not the most entertaining part, because I think we all know the most entertaining part. But seeing him going up against Big Bill and trying to take him down, that was entertaining. Uh, what do you think of Big or uh, Preston Vance, Chad? 
come a long way, right? Oh God, yeah, uh, yeah. My the thing that always sticks out to me in my head whenever I think of him is uh, he had that match with Moxley, and his the mask got ripped open a little, and blood was gushing out from underneath. Uh, you know, it was it was a horror show. It was like right before his turn, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, from being a dude in the background, uh, getting goofing off with uh, the Dark Order to to this, like LFI is hopefully going to be a force to reckon with because they are stiff, they're hard hitting and fast, and uh, you know they definitely have that like realism that I love to see in a in a in a wrestling match. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm. Really like him, Preston Vance, uh, Roosh. Uh, FTR looked really good too. It's just kind of like, uh, kind of like oversaturated with FTR at this point. Like I've, I've seen it. You know what I mean? Uh, we got a, uh, we got Roosh uh, tagging in, and he just punishes Ricky Starks. Uh, violent, brutal, fast. Uh, they're on the outside of the ring. He's throwing Ricky Starks into every barricade, just running full force, throwing, throwing him, throwing him. Uh, gosh, like pure violence. Uh, Dax ends up getting isolated uh, for a while. They won't let him tag. Uh, Ricky Starks does his top rope strut into the big elbow the same thing that lance archer tried to do earlier in the night uh at one point ricky starks grabs a headset from commentary and proceeds to put over big bill uh that was kind of cool big bill ends up uh, getting taken down ricky starks has to (laughs) rush in real quick uh yeah, Roosh tags in and dominates Ricky Starks again. Um, I've got written down here, <laughs> Roosh is the hardest hitter I've seen on TV in a while. Uh, every hit has meaning. Every hit looks real. Every hit looks painful. Uh, it, he like seems like a real threat is kind of the vibe I'm getting. Uh Ricky Ricky Starks somehow ends up spearing Roosh. Uh, both men are down. Uh, Roosh ends up tagging in Cash. Uh, or no, Roosh <laughs> steals Cash's tag from Dax and helps Dax do the big rig onto Ricky Starks. And Cash is on the corner, like what? Like, <laughs> and then if you look down at uh, Jose, the assistant, he's on the floor, going, "You weren't there." <laughs> like, <laughs> it was kind of a cool moment. Uh, immediately, Cash runs across the ring, dives onto Toa Leona on the outside. Roosh ends up doing his bull's horns finisher and wins the match. Uh, again, they won't shake FTR's hand. Uh, absolutely great match. Uh, how do you feel about it, Chad? I thought the dynamic of this match was so cool. Uh, it, it was like one of those, uh, you're the enemy out of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Cause FTR were out there on an island. Um, like LFI didn't really want to be there with them, but they were going to win the match. Uh, 
and obviously uh, uh, Starks and uh, Big Bill and uh, you know nobody wanted nobody liked FTR in that match and I was like this is really combustible I thought it was just a really cool dynamic uh, yeah no uh, just give me more Roosh and LFI those guys are just super dynamic for me it's my, some of my favorite style of wrestling I think uh i'm i'm all for it like i love the whole buffet i'm like one of those one guys who's like give me some goofy wrestling give me some strong style give me some great technical stuff uh but at the end of the day like i'd love to see like roosh and mox mix it up wouldn't that be that'd be pretty nuts like that would be uh, good yeah yeah so uh hopefully hopefully we get we'll get lots more of him because uh yeah i'm really into it um uh, how about your takes chandler uh, one of my favorite things about going through AEW as a new fan is seeing all these wrestlers who I've heard about for years or even just months or so. And, you know, I've never gotten to see, they take Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door this year. That match was my first match of either of those men. That was a pretty good match to start out being a little, little reserved, but Roosh is insane. Like the second he tagged in, he punched Ricky Starks twice, and I was like, all right, he's good. Then he smacked him as hard as he could, literally threw Starks out of the ring, and like you said, running him through all the barricades, like, the energy this man has is off the charts. Like, it literally felt, and I wasn't watching, but it felt like CM Punk's return to collision because it's, oh, this star that hasn't been around, he's coming back, he's going to have this big old... Maybe he's not a face, but I'm going to call him a face for now. Return. And he teams up with FTR in the main event. Like, that's literally what CM Punk did. And it doesn't matter because it worked. And he was entertaining and he was great. Uh, Just some, like, other things I had throughout the match. Not just Roosh, but I'll get back to him. Uh, I really liked uh, FTR failing to hit the big rig on Big Bill. Not only because he's huge, but... If you ever go to a rematch between Ricky Starks and Big Bill and FTR, which doesn't seem like that's what they're doing, but if you could end that match with them finally hitting the big rig on Big Bill, like, whoa, look at that huge guy. His own weight was what put him down. Like, that spells the match finish right there. Um, uh, Spears, obviously, is so fantastic. One thing about I love about him having the tag titles, like, I get to see him on TV every week not a bad thing uh and then like you said i just wrote big kick in the corner for finish but if you had told me like let's say i'm watching wwe and they pull some guy up from nxt and they go his finish is a drop kick in the corner i'd go that's a lame finish who cares but then you see roosh do it and you know he puts all his weight into that he's not just doing a drop kick he's coming at you feet first and he's gonna go through you yeah i believe that ends a match so Rouge, I'm all for. Uh, I think him and Preston Vance should be the next tag team champions. Mm. I know that's controversial, but I think FTR going forward is going to be fighting House of Black, and I think that's going to be entertaining. I don't want it for the titles because I think it'll be a bit more even feud. And uh, you have Rouge and uh, Preston Vance have some good matches with Big Bill and Ricky Starks. I mean, the same man tag was already entertaining, but... Dave, correct or help me recollect how did this match end? With uh, they all just shook hands and were hungry, happy friends, right? Is that what happened at the end? Not quite. Uh, House of Black end up uh, showing up on the big screen uh, while FTR are distracted 
looking at the big screen. Uh-oh, House of Black are right behind them. They get jumped by House of Black. And now we've got a new uh, group into the mix. We've got Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta from the Blackpool Combat Club coming to help FTR. Uh, then for the uh, end of the episode, we've got House of Black and the Blackpool Combat, Combat Club staring each other down. Uh, and that is how we ended off the episode. Uh, for my high point of the episode, uh, was definitely Roosh and his violent style. Um, my low point for the episode, which is kind of funny, I skipped over it by accident, <laughs> but it was the awkward Lexi Nair Andrade interview oh, yeah. I was for a bring second that up. week second week in a row like my business is my business and she just looks at him confused and like it's so awkward and i hated it <laughs> it's probably for fans like us who are like where was andrade this week you didn't put him on the show tony khan it's like okay here he is in a backstage segment and next week you'll get an answer and like he founded lfi he did? Which is kind of weird right now. Yeah, yeah he's... They, I'm a little that. confused on why why he has nothing to do with that right now. Like, he was in LFI. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't House of Black trying to corrupt Andrade earlier this year on Collision? Or they were at least feuding with him, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, there's a lot that this uh, storyline can go though with the uh, so FTR will they have a match against LFI at this point probably I don't think they're going to team together again that wouldn't make any sense yeah uh, my booking brain would say uh, maybe they'll have a number one contenders match to see who goes to challenge for the belt then maybe LFI can uh, proceed from there to maybe get their uh, their shot against Starks and Big Bill. Uh, They're doing a tournament. Yeah, yeah, or just like gonna a, do a tournament. Of course, they love tournaments. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> hey, who doesn't love a tournament? I mean, I haven't been. I hear AEW does them a little bit too much, but as a new fan, I'm all for more. Yeah, King of the Ring used to be one of my favorite things back in the day. They almost did it this year. And then they just canceled it for no reason. But I was like, okay, I like King of the Ring. Promote a mid Carter, that's fun, but nope. Yeah, no, that's how uh, Austin three sixteen was born. A lot of, I mean, shit. Brock Lesnar won King of the Ring. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Like a lot of big names have won King of the Ring, and it King went to their Booker. King Booker. But if we want to do our highlight and low point. My low point's hard. I'm looking through all my notes. I don't think I have one. Like, not like this was such a fantastic episode, but it was a very inoffensive episode. Like, nothing was bad and nothing was like poorly booked, I would say. Um, I don't know. I guess I would say the Chris Statlander, Sky Blue, and Willow Nightingale backstage segment, because that didn't feel like it was doing anything to me at least watching it and 
maybe because I was expecting something at the end. It was just like, oh, Sky Blue's fine. Like, she's just goth, but she's just fine, and that's it. Like, maybe if it was a little bit more obvious that she was going for Chris Statlander, I would have liked it, but that's probably my low point. My high point, I would say just the very beginning. I, I was so, as dumb as it was, I was so blown away with how they started the show and how hyped it was, and I get maybe it was just my middling expectations, but to have them start out like that real hot, get the crowd going, it was brilliant, I would say. So probably my high and low point. What about you, Chad? Yeah, um, kind of echo you about the low point. Like for me, it wasn't a great show, but it was a good show. And there was not no real like big valleys for a low point. Um, it's not like say dynamite where I could say like for me Ric Flair because I don't think that was a good decision. But yeah. and there were and I wasn't the only one. You could have said Paul White that wasn't a good decision. Whereas this, it's like well, nothing that bad. Yeah, no, like yeah, the the women's stuff. Um, yeah, like this segment you were specifically talking about. I feel like it would have been better if they were had a little more purpose or direction. Then it would have been fine. Uh, but yeah. you know, it wasn't inoffensive. They got some more camera time, so that was cool. Yeah, maybe um, like less less squash matches, maybe a little more competitive, just in general. Uh, but I get why they do it. They're just showcasing their big talent. But um, I don't know. But the, for me, I, I like a lot of the old school stuff. But I like that whole like a lot of the use of in so much enhancement talent kind of doesn't do it for me these days. Uh, high point, uh, I'm right there with you. Starting the show in media res, uh, just like, especially because you're like, oh, some pre-taped uh, way. That was interesting. Like, it really subverted expectations, which was I thought very cool. And uh, yeah, it got me, it got me paying attention like that because I was, uh, I had it up on my computer screen. I'm already worried about taking notes, and then all of a sudden the notes go away, and I'm just glued to my TV. So uh, it, it achieved its purpose for sure. Uh, so I feel like I'm copying Chandler's height homework, but uh, kind of right there with him. Uh, ah, right. It's a good moment. Yeah, I do. I always have this thing on the bottom of my notes too. Random thoughts. Uh, I watch, consume a lot of wrestling content. I'm uh, noticing a, like a lot of negativity regarding AEW lately. Uh, people like dogging on storytelling, saying it's not as hot as it once was. Uh, but for me, like their in ring is still just amazing. Uh, and I think they're making big strides on uh, a lot of their stuff that people are being negative on. But I know I'm always under the firm belief that a lot of this stuff is cyclical. Like, you know, you go through hot times and then cold times where you kind of got to heat it back up. Uh, so I'm not super worried about it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I always try to be positive about stuff. So uh, just kind of this sort of been bumming me out lately, which, watching a lot of my f favorite podcasters kind of you know, uh, rip it, rip it apart a little more than usual. Yeah, I'll agree. There's a lot of negativity going around right now. Uh, I just don't see it. I, I kind of feel like, so they're going to complain and whine about there not being any storylines. And now they're going to complain and whine about what they're about. <laughs> they have plenty of storylines now uh and like a tiny part of me is starting to get to the point like like are there maybe too many <laughs> storylines with mjf right now um 
but uh yeah some people just are never gonna be happy no matter what uh for the episode my like my botch meter never went off uh nothing nothing crazy happened in the ring that shouldn't have uh nothing looked executed wrongly uh the production was good there were no sound issues no uh in inappropriate or abrupt camera cut during the matches everything was uh filmed properly the camera crew was on point uh yeah that's a, a something that's pretty important to me uh and i know you know you chad obviously the production point of it is uh pretty uh basically a top priority <laughs> yeah for sure that's been um kind of cool to watch over the last four years like their first few episodes like right when it first came out i'm like their first episodes i'm like oh that's really good for the first first for their first time uh but then after a while you know it's just kind of consistent things but uh i feel like nowadays and especially the last few months they are really firing on all cylinders uh they don't miss a lot of moments anymore like the camera guys seem to always be in the right spot like last week i remember making a point like uh uh orange cassidy was in that sleeper uh from uh claudio and just the that nice close-up of his face and he was just all screwed up and uh yeah you you, you catch those little moments uh and it just means the, all the more. And uh, yeah, the, no weird audio issues lately. With thank God, because uh, that, that was pretty uh, pretty painful few years, really. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, no, that's uh, yeah. I don't know what's changed in the past few months, but I feel like they've really ironed a lot of stuff out and have been making a lot of like big improvements. Like their uh, their video packaging game, like their non live stuff, is all uh, really top notch right now uh up chandler yeah i i mean i've been a new fan i haven't only started watching since forbidden door to this year so i might not have that much aew knowledge but more so from an outsider's perspective it feels like a lot of the negativity is kind of like meta stuff it's not like in ring it's not like on dynamite mostly it's uh kind of with tony khan i feel Cause it's like, Oh, you had those Tuesday night war rerun a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago and didn't go well for AEW. And you could have just gone, ah, oh, well, well, you know, it was good run. It's hard to beat when you throw Cody Rhodes and John Cena and Paul Heyman on one episode of NXT, like, and WWE is incredibly hot. A normal person would have just gone, ah, oh, well, we lost this round. We dominated them the last 77 weeks or whatever that it was airing back to back. But Tony Khan didn't really handle that well. He kind of asked out on Twitter, said a lot of things that a CEO probably just shouldn't say. He wasn't wrong, but he just shouldn't say him. And then, you know, hiring Ric Flair is a bad look. Uh, pushing people that maybe shouldn't be wrestling, like, say, Paul White is a bad look. But at least from my point, in ring, like you guys are saying, it's great. The stories are progressing well. Uh and, you know, there's always going to be detractors to everything. People think Kenny Omega's a bad wrestler. Can you believe it? Like, there are people out there that think he's one of the worst wrestlers and he's killing wrestling. People are always going to hate. Like, 
sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. I think there is warranted criticism you can give AEW right now. I've been trying to give it as much as I can on this podcast, like with the women's division and some of the part or some of the older talent that he's bringing out. But I also try to say the great things that he's doing. I'm a big fan of the Swerve Hangman story. That doesn't feel too complicated. I mean, I think MJF's story is about to get a lot more succinct the further we go along. I think Bang Bang Gang are going to go away after Full Gear. I think he's going to work through Wardlow. He's going to work through Samoa Joe. I don't think Kenny Omega is really a player anymore. I think he's already back to Don Callis. That was only for the record. So I think the story will squeeze down a bit going further. Um, yeah. I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Dave, with the negativity, but I think some of it's fair, but you're always going to have just haters and people hating, you know, AEW drones, Fed drones, whatever, people who have no lives and just want to make other people miserable. So I just say, let's just keep enjoying this good product. Yeah, I kind of wanted to touch base real quick on our Dynamite card that we will all be going to live. Um, We've got the AEW World Championship match, uh, MJF versus Daniel Garcia. We've got the Ring of Honor TV Championship match, Samoa Joe versus Keith Lee. Let's see. We've got Mark Briscoe versus Jay White. We've got Swerve Strickland versus Penta. Looking forward to that one. And Red Velvet versus Julia Hart. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. They got to give her her momentum back. Uh, that loss to Statlander at Wrestle Dream uh, was just a little speed bump. Uh, they'll get her back on track. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, going to Dynamite on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just went to uh, Collision a few weeks back and then the Wrestle Dream right after. That was amazing. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, all those matches feature at least one wrestler I'm interested in. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good show. Yeah, same. And uh, yeah, some AEW crowds have been my favorite, too. Like the Wrestle Dream was pretty mind-blowing to be at. Uh, yeah, then uh, coming up on the 12th, too, Prestige. So, uh, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a fun week. Any big matches announced for that yet, or is that nothing so far? Uh, let's see. I don't um, know what Alan Angels will be there. Oh, uh, Alex Shelley. Yeah. Isn't that an Impact guy or a TNA guy? Yeah. He's uh, the Impact Champion and the Ooh. Prestige Champion. Wow. Oh, no, that's a lot more than just an Impact guy. He's the Impact guy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, last last show I went to with you guys was, or well, you and Matt was, uh, Malachi Black was there. Wow. That yeah, was Prestige. A yeah. That was a banger. Uh, yeah. Then at the end of the match, lights came out and uh, Brody King came out. That's pretty hype. Uh, I went to one Chandler with uh, Athena versus Taya Valkyrie. That wow. was a really good, 
prestige show. Yeah, that, that ended uh, up being viral on the internet. Yeah, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. they How stacked come? up like they stacked up like twenty five chairs and uh, Athena. I think suplexed. Oh, Taya I think you guys onto, showed me this. You guys sent me this, or you had shit. me look it up. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it was cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, fun episode tonight. A uh, lot to talk about. But uh, we will be back uh, probably a little later in the week with our dynamite review, the one that we're going to go to live. Um, go ahead if you haven't already. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, ring that bell, uh, do all that fun stuff. Uh, it'll really help out our channel. Uh, hopefully you're finding our wrestling insight to be interesting and entertaining. Uh, all three of us really love what we're doing right now. Uh, so, yeah, come along for the ride. This is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here, here. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping down the line we can actually build a fun little community, too. So please get involved. Uh, comments would be great. Um, one of these days, I'll uh, figure out how the Twitter machine works. Maybe we can wait way to talk to people. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, 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 a, I'm a old. <laughs> These guys are mostly yeah. AEW, and I'm really getting into AEW. But as I've said, I'm a lifelong WWE fan. Uh, I just watched most of Crown Jewel on Saturday. I can talk about it or other shows if you want. Mm. So leave that down in the comments if you're interested in a little WWE coverage. It wouldn't be as in-depth as this. It wouldn't be podcasts for every Raw and SmackDown. It would maybe be like quick reviews and rundowns of pay-per-views at most because these guys just aren't WWE guys. But yeah, if you're interested hate, in that. I, I don't hate it. I just I only have so many hours in the in the week. Well, uh, Logan Paul, though, I, I saw some clips from that dude. He's ooh. man. Uh, he's my scumbag, I guess, because I really like watch. I he's so good in the ring. But uh, although I'll be so quick about that Logan Paul match. But like there were so many little things that were great. Like Rey Mysterio was the not cocky, but the like overzealous uh, veteran in this. There was a bit where they were going for the international and. Rey Mysterio caught himself as the rope on the ropes as Logan Paul did the leapfrog and he just did a sarcastic clap for him. And then Logan Paul beat him with the brass knuckles and he knocked his lights out and won the title, which is huge. And then at the end, he was like, Rey Mysterio, I love you. That was an honor. This was such an important match in my career. And Rey's like, I know what you did. Like you cheated. You were right there. So the whole pay-per-view wasn't that great, but that one match was pretty damn fun. Cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I watched him and Seth. That was the that uh, the frog splash through the table. Oh my god! Like, mm -hmm. That was a yeah. that was a really fun match. No, I'm Logan Paul has been doing great. Uh, I think I said on this podcast a few weeks ago or a couple days ago that I wanted him to win the U.S. title, and I was happy to see him win the U.S. title. I think it's perfect for him. I don't know what else you'd do with it. All right. Well, I think that'll be it. Uh, thank you, Chandler, Chad, for uh, joining us. Uh, thank, thank you, you all out hosting. there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of neat. I don't really think of myself as a host, but I kind of take on that 
kind of kind of roll a little bit i guess uh but cool yeah this is super fun and uh thank you everyone out there and uh uh yeah we'll have another video out soon thank you bye 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 <laughs>